Humans Having Discourse Podcast. Discourse? You mean like it's just people talking? Wisdom, politics, religion, anything, everything with Ethos Ananda. Dr. Jordan B. Peterson, professor, psychologist, cultural icon, a man who told the world, hey, Canada still exists, eh? We will never think of lobsters in the same way again, thanks to JBP. There's another Peterson I like a lot, Jesse Lee Peterson, so from now on I'll just say JBP. JBP has had a huge effect on culture all over the world. Even mainland Chinese got into the JBP phenomena. Fortunately or not, it seems now that his 15 minutes of fame are finished. Will his work endure into the future? That's speculation, and I won't go into it really. This episode will not focus on anything social, cultural, or political. Ethos Ananda means ethical and spiritual, so I'll talk about JBP's effect on myself and others in those terms, with a primary focus on logos, or the truth or lack of truth, in JBP's work. I fell in love with JBP very quickly. I majored in psychology in school, and it's always been one of my favorite subjects to study and practice. To see a classically trained psychologist who was really good at it, gaining any kind of fame or notice in the public arena was a total game changer for me. If it wasn't for JBP, I would not have started making these podcasts, would not have published the Ethos book, which I've wanted to do since 16 years old. God, that's about 15 years I've wanted to make this book but I didn't have the motivation or desire to until JBP hit the world stage. I gave up on bringing ancient knowledge to modern people many years ago, but JBP turned that around completely for me and others. It seems that modern people are willing to listen to ancient text material if it is presented appropriately. For a while, I was obsessed with JBP. I would open up YouTube, and if there wasn't a new interview with him, I would get a bit angry, like I was cheated, and then sometimes just close YouTube entirely, because there was nothing else I wanted to see. Eventually, that obsession wore off, and I even started watching anti-JBP hit pieces, such as Jordanetics by Vox Day and many Owen Benjamin live streams. I never went full anti-JBP, but as time has passed, my relationship with old Canadian lobster man has definitely changed. He no longer holds a role model position in my heart, but I still love a lot of his speeches and lectures. As an intellectual, I'd still be thrilled to hear him talk about Jung, mythology, and similar topics. Throughout the time JBP was a global icon and my obsession was prominent, I would find the most meaningful or inspiring or truthful sections of his talks and cut them into small clips 
and post them on my YouTube channel. So to prepare for this show, I simply rewatched all the 29 clips that I made and I took notes. So this is a proper meta-analysis focusing only on the most positive things I've seen and heard from JBP online, not including his books. I divided my notes into a few simple areas, things that are interesting and true, interesting and false, and things that are simply false or suspect. At the end, I'll add in some miscellaneous comments or anything else. Okay, let's begin with things that are still interesting to me as of April 2020 and true enough. Maybe not objectively or absolutely true, but definitely kernels of truth. Number one, dishonesty as the underpinning to psychopathology and evil. This is a really powerful statement that Peterson makes many times. And I think it's true. Like I've noticed myself time and time again, the more I'm honest with myself, the more everything works out in my favor. And I notice in others, people who are chronic liars, they suffer more and more. They, they become less likely to be um, fortunate, being to be able to work with others who are not also themselves chronic liars. Uh, I don't want to get into it too deeply, but yes, this seems true and utterly relevant and uh, precious, I think, for the West. The West, the Western nations really need to get on board here with honesty and truth, which is an essential aspect of Logos, which is the most essential aspect of the West in general. That's what the West is. It's Logos, just like the East is Dharma. In another JBP clip, he says, what makes you think you're not selling your soul when you're at work and someone asks you to do something you don't want to do? What makes you think that you're not actually selling your soul? And so here are a few things he says uh, so you can be sure that you're on the right path. One, always have leverage. So if you have a better job offer or if you have some kind of leverage so that people don't make you do things you shouldn't do, there's a good chance you're not selling your soul. Also, have a duty to speak truth against tyranny as a citizen. Now, once again, this is this is Western. And it's utter, it's so true in America and Canada and the UK, especially the the English common law nations, as he calls them. This is, it's the only way it works. And that's why these nations are failing miserably is because people aren't speaking the truth. They're just taking their paycheck and cucking, shilling, essentially, their sellouts. Even normal middle management, just normal people. That's what's really bad. <laughs> If, if the only people selling out were super rich and everyone else was fine, that'd be fine. But that's not actually the case. 
And that's a big reason why I'm happy to leave America and not live there anymore. But this is not true in Dharmic societies. In China, in India, in Japan, you absolutely do not have a duty to speak truth against tyranny. In fact, it's kind of the opposite. Dharma is really about finding your place and staying in your place. And eventually you can go to a higher place, but you have to earn it. So like Eastern martial arts is a great example. You know, you start as a white belt and sure, you know, it, if you work at it 10 years, you can be a black belt. But if you talk to the sensei, to the master that uh, in this kind of prideful, arrogant way of Oh, well, you know, I can do it eventually, so you might as well promote me now. Like anything like that, it just doesn't work. And it actually keeps you in the lower level longer. Whereas when you really accept your place and you really do a good job just in that place alone and you're uh, eager and worthy of a higher place, it will be granted. This is what God does. This is what society, the whole universe will work in your favor. That's the path of Dharma. Okay, another thing he says, just say what you have to say. Don't, you don't have to make a point or try to persuade someone. And if you can't even get away with that, if you can't just say what you have to say without trying to make a point and you get fired or something, that's tyranny. And this is the best part of what Peterson says here. JBP. <laughs> so the example that comes to mind is uh, the guy from Google who got fired for writing a memo about gender differences. He was not on any kind of political side. He was a scientist who quoted the literature as it is in a professional manner, and he got fired. That's tyranny. So there's tyranny in Google and all these big tech companies. And that's just the way the way that it is in North America. So I've known this myself from a very young age. But the fact that JBP got to say this on a on a huge scale and he did get away with it. I mean, that's excellent. But the rest of you need to do your part and wake up to this truth. In another video, he says, sacrificing something now for the future is about creating harmony across time in your life. So there, there's definitely more to sacrifice than that, but this does seem true and relevant. Meaning, sacrifice is not some like woo-woo, voodoo, religious thing. It just means you're playing the game of life. And just like trying to brew an excellent beer or to craft something excellently, there must be harmony and composition. And so there's harmony across every dimension, including time. We, have our, we can harmonize our past, present, and future and align that with our, our highest self. And that's what sacrifice is all about. And this is what we all are doing, whether we like it or not. So bringing this word sacrifice with this kind of meaning 
to a modern secular audience like this is beautiful. It's true and it's still interesting to me right now. I'm like, I'm, I'm actually excited as I talk about it. I think, wow, what can I sacrifice? <laughs> In another video, he says, choosing a mate is the epitome of prejudice. We choose the most attractive people by our own estimations and no one else. Yes, this is obviously true. So there's a lot of people who just, you know, they say the word prejudice and they think it's a bad thing and it's just, this is bad, bleh. It's just a keyword, a hashtag that gets thrown out there and people don't know what it means. It's entirely natural and in some cases, it's not bad at all. If we want to be good at choosing a mate, we better be very prejudiced. <laughs> Hmm. Yeah, that's ethos right there. <laughs> ethos says it's not about having prejudice or not having prejudice. It's about having the right prejudice at the right time for the right reasons with the right people, etc. That's ethos. And prejudice fits in easily, just like everything else. That's why I focus on ethos, like I said, since I was 16. But it's only recently that I thought, oh, <laughs> maybe other people in the world might be ready for this. Basically not, but I'm doing my best. Another video, he says, archetypes are grounded in biology, in the predator-prey. So, yeah, it starts out as just predator versus prey. And then the archetype will manifest in action and then in story. So I love Carl Jung, but I never got to, I have his full um, library. I have all of his works, but I've only read one book, Modern Man in Search of a Soul, which is still like so amazing. It's like Jung was a genius and like his, his work is still so relevant today. It's amazing. Um, and so, but a simplified take on this by, by JBP and, and, and grounding it in neuroscience and biology is like awesome. <laughs> it's so cool. So we are hunters. What should we hunt? What's the ultimate aim in life? So that it's that simple. Biology is where hunters were hunting. And then you take that same motive and you scale it, not scale it up, but as, as evolution comes, eventually we come to religion, the ultimate aim in life, the ultimate game. That's religion. And so this is actually not new. Uh, I read a book called, uh, the, I think it's The Breakdown of Consciousness in the Bicameral Mind. It's an old, well, not old, but it's like from the 70s, maybe. This is definitely not new. Um, but Peterson, JBP, being able to to bring this to the, the public conscience in a secular, anti-religious society, at least the media is anti-religious. I know in USA there's many religious people, but in the media, it's very secular, very like, anti-Christian especially, uh, but anti-religious in general, I think. 
Um, and so, so one of this amazing things that JBP did, which I think I'm still in debt to him for, we are all, we, I hope we can feel, we can all feel in debt to him as Westerners, at least he gave us like he, he literally reignited religion. He, he changed that, that R word from a mostly bad stigmatized crappy word to a, oh, maybe there's something here. And, uh, and he's right, like religious language is the only language that works in the most dire of situations. And this is, of course, what happens in real life when you're next to death, you know, on, on the scariest roller coaster of your life or whatever it is. That's when you start saying, dear God, dear God, don't save me. <laughs> you know? That's when religion really kicks into place. And so being able to do that outside of that natural circumstance, but in, in every every day, daily circumstance, uh, yeah, everyone in the world was doing that 600 years ago, 2,000 years ago, no problem. But in the modern world, it's lost. Religion is mostly lost, and we have to bring it back or we will perish. Uh, communism is an example of that. But even furthermore, it's like we can't actually get away from religion. We've just replaced one addiction with another. So this consumerism, materialism, that's just the that's just secular religion. And it's not very good. <laughs> Should we go on the crusades again? We shouldn't really do that either. But the idea that there that we are religious beings and re like I said, there's there's the biology of it. We are hunters, we're in the wild, we're hunting. That same uh, archetype, that same gene is simply expressed in a higher realm as religion. It's actually the same thing. And so when you see it line up like that, uh, it it grounds you in reality, in the real reality, not the made-up media reality. Moving on. Play by the rules, but there's a meta rule where now and then you break the rules. <laughs> so I've heard many people like Owen Benjamin, they're, they're, they think this is wizardry. They think this is sneaky stuff. It sounds dangerous to conservative religious types, but this is actually the truth. And this is just something, you know, you have to, if you want to get to the highest level, you have, this is not even the highest level, but you do have to at least get to this point. And this is why I love Krishna so much, because there's so many stories where Krishna will break the rules and and it, it fools you. Your logical mind is thinking, this is, the Lord of Lords. This is supposed to be the God of the universe, but he's he's acting like such a rascal here. How is he doing it? How is he getting away with it? And uh, well, this is this is what it is. It's not that rules are meant to be broken, but it's that there are always exceptions to the rule in especially the material, three dimensional, temporary world that we live in. There's always going to be exceptions, and the rules exist because there's a real rule underneath. So that's the meta rule. The meta rule is, is aiming closer towards 
the metaphysical rules that are underneath our legal system, our institutional rules, all that stuff, which is very temporary. And then the metaphysical rules are much less temporary, but still temporary compared to purely spiritual rules, which I don't want to go into. But there are many stories of discipleship with masters. Um, in in main in like pop culture, there's Qui Gon Jinn of Star Wars, Sirius Black of Harry Potter. These are characters who are clearly on the side of good, but they they break the rules when they need to 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 do good, and this is just essential. It's so Qui Gon Jinn is my favorite example. He he achieved immortality before Yoda. You know, and he he never got a position as Jedi Master on the Council, so you know he he he's not able to play in the institution at the highest level, but for the purpose that the institution exists, for the real reason it's there, he's winning more than everyone else, because Qui Gon Jinn is playing this meta rule where. Now and then you see, I can't just blindly follow the rule because what my senses are telling me right now in the moment is I got to do this. And this is very, this like touch of rebelliousness or following the meta rule as you might go. This is in, the, in, in every single Harry Potter book and movie, there's always little moments like this where the main characters, they all, they're not just the conforming good boys and good girls, and they're not the conforming evil ones who are always sneaking around. They're, they're in the middle somewhere, but they, they have, they're not ent entirely in the middle. They're on the good side, but willing to bend when they need to bend. So once again, this is classic ethos, actually. This is the golden mean. It's very simple, actually. <laughs> <laughs> but actually applying this to real life, that's the, that's the key. Um, all right, next one. Oh, this is beautiful. JBP, and this is from Carl Jung or someone else, but he says, the darkest light brings out the brightest light. Or So at the end of the darkest tunnel is the brightest light. Once again, very interesting, very true still now and still a hundred years in the in the future probably <laughs> the world will change a lot though i also have experience with this personally so like it's hard to explain something that's just kind of obvious to me like this but i'm you know this is why i was obsessed with jbp is because he brought he brought this to the attention of of the greater populace and I've always had really bad luck talking to people about this stuff. Next, when the king kills the jester, it's a tyrant. So comedians not being able to perform at universities is a terrible sign, which it is. And this was true just a few years before JBP got famous. This is like 
maybe 20, 2014 or the early 2010s, it started happening where the best comedians, they just wouldn't play at universities. Even if they were invited and even if they were paid, they're going, no, there's going to be some problem, some trouble, some lawsuit, some whatever. They'll make me apologize or something. Like They just can't take the joke. But it's worse than that. Like, you, if you can't take the joke, you have to at least let them say the joke because it's their job. But when you, when you take away their right to do their job, that's tyranny. And that's happening all over the, the West. At least Western Anglo, like UK, US, Canada. Yeah, this is a, <laughs> happening all over the place. It's a horrible sign. Once again, glad I glad that Krishna helped me escape from this demonic um, tyranny. Next, don't apologize on social media because no one can come to your defense. So just hold out for two weeks and then people will forget about it and move on. Yeah, this once again, it's interesting and it's true. It's really good advice. If you say something controversial and people, the mob comes after you. If you really feel like you said something wrong, then you can apologize. But if you didn't, then you just have to stick to it and just hold out. And eventually they'll just go away. The, the ethics behind this is really simple. I mean, it's either <laughs> say the truth and watch what happens, which is called truthfulness. That's the virtue of truthfulness. Or you say something to get money or to get more PR. And then if you don't, and then if you have to lie, if, if that didn't work and, and they need you to lie to get your goal of more money and more power, and you say, oh, I'll just lie and I'll get the more money and more power, that's not, e that's not ethics. That's unethical. So this is not <laughs> brain science. <laughs> Like, we forget about this. We, uh, not myself, but <laughs> many others forget about this because they're just not ethical people. Like, you have to study ethics and practice it, and then you're ethical. That's how it works. <laughs> so for me, this is, like, so obvious. Like, once again, I was 16 at the latest when I was already practicing this stuff. But... I'm still happy that, that Peterson brought it to the world. Next, nice is not a virtue, or at most a low-order virtue. This is true, but also not new to me. Um, I always knew this fake niceties. Hi, how are you? I'm, I'm fine, thank you. And you? Is, it doesn't matter. It to, it's, it, it's the epitome of something that doesn't matter. It's less than small talk. But, I mean, it doesn't mean we should go against it in spite, although I have done that in my earlier years. But, yeah, once again, I'm just glad he brought this out to the public arena. Next, universities do more harm than good now. In USA, that's true for sure. You have student, get, student debt that can't be forgiven. How is that different from indentured servitude? It's not. It's slavery. And what do you get from your university degree? 
Well, so the job I have now in China, they did require a bachelor's degree, but they don't actually care about the grades. They just want to see the paper. So the, the smartest thing to do is to get the cheapest possible degree and fastest. And because it costs 200,000 plus dollars in US and like almost nothing in Germany and other places, and it's better to travel anyway and learn a new culture. Like the reason that, that young American white people and other people aren't studying abroad is madness. They're so dumb. <laughs> and so once again, this is not just like, oh, the universities are so bad, they're causing more harm than good. It's like the people are really to blame here. We have supply and demand. If we stop applying for college, they will stop charging so much money. Maybe at first they'll charge more, but eventually it'll just change because they won't be able to make money anymore. <laughs> oh, next this is a big one. Christ is a meta hero and his fundamental position is true speech, logos. So this is the one, this is the most beneficial thing JBP has ever said to me that's affected me personally. Growing up, I was in a Reformed Jewish family, whatever that means. So I actually didn't know. I didn't even know who Christ was. I, fortunately, I didn't get any negative propaganda about him, but I just didn't know the story, you know. And, uh, and I was like, well, I, I love truth. I love true speech. And this idea that, that there's these real stories and then there's heroes that come in stories. And then of all the stories of all the heroes, Christ is like the ultimate hero. He's a meta hero. It makes sense. Like it, whether it's true or not, you have to admit that the mythology where you have the, a unbelievably compassionate, uh, merciful, saintly man, you know, uh, healing the, the sick, curing blindness, you know, he's, he's conducting miracles. And then what do they do with him? They torture, crucify and murder him in the worst possible way. So you have the best possible person getting the worst possible punishment and, and still coming out and winning in the end. That's the meta hero. And, uh, you know, after thinking about it a lot and then, and, you know, after I heard JBP talking about this, I got into Christianity and now I still listen to Bishop Barron regularly. I love Bishop Barron. I'm really excited to read Summa Theologica by Aquinas. And of course, Dr. Jones, I've, you know, heard a lot of his stuff. I might even get baptized in the future. Who knows? I bought a crucifix. I brought a I bought a cross necklace, which uh, you know sometimes I don't know if it's had much of an effect because I'm still mostly just a devotee of Krishna. But when I went to Lithuania, I went to the capital the capital city Vilnius. They have many churches there, Orthodox. Uh, mostly Russian Orthodox and Catholic and maybe some others. Anyway, going, if I didn't know about, if I never heard JBP and if I never studied 
all the other Christian stuff and I just wandered into these churches, it would be way different. I would just think, oh, you know, this is just cool architecture, you know, but knowing the history behind it and knowing that this is the fundamental aspect of the West, it's literally what the West is, is, is the Church of Christ. That's literally, that's like where science comes from. Not, well, actually it comes from Aristotle, but, <laughs> it, you know, the, the church was, you know, what kind of fostered it to come in. It was the ground on which it was built. And uh, democracy, yeah, that's cool. Okay, here, here's only three points that he said in these clips that I rewatched that are interesting to me today, but <laughs> they just seem false. First, he says, the alternative to negotiation is war. No, that's not true. And I know it seems true and it's really catchy, but it's not true. If you just accept things as they are and move on, you don't need to negotiate or go into war with someone. You just fucking deal with it and move on. This is called being a grown-up. <laughs> now, this is another cultural thing. Like this kind of like... Uh, my pen rye, that's how to say no problem in Thai, but this kind of, you know, my pen rye attitude where it's eh, no problem, just forget about it, just move on, accept it, deal with it. That's very common all over Asia, all over the East. They're really good at it. They've been doing it for thousands of years. Lack of negotiation leading to war can only happen if that problem remains. But that problem will dissipate whatever that problem is maybe it's a conflict you have with someone else or with yourself whatever it will dissipate if you just accept it for what it is integrate it detach from it there's there's very few cases for warfare or even aggressive negotiation in life among virtuous people especially, among people with good ethos, there's like, I could see negotiation happening sometimes, but that's it. It'll never go worse than that because good people don't do that. So, you know, a lot of the polarization stuff that's happening in the West, it's because people suck. I know they don't want to hear it, but it's bad ethos. It's really that simple. You can make all the excuses that you want. Oh, the media is lying to us. It's all fake news. Well, who's accepting the fake news as, as if it's real? You people are. It's your fault. <laughs> Sorry. Like I said before, like supply and demand, okay? If you demand real news and you don't accept any fake news, they will die. They will just die off. But there's not enough people that's doing that, so it's continuing. There's a bit more to it than that, but all right, next. When you line up and wait three days for a movie premiere, you're exhibiting all behaviors of religious fervor, but calling yourself an atheist. That seems incongruent. Maybe you don't believe in God, but you definitely believe in something greater than yourself. So I changed this one to false because real atheism means going against God 
And even a, a theist like me can wait in line for a good movie. So this is just not the best example of how like we're all religious. So this one is not actually like totally false. It's just a bad example. Like the, the primary point that JBP makes a lot that we are religious beings, that religious language is the ultimate language, you know, describing the ultimate hunt, that sort of stuff. That's still true. But saying that, you know, people like Star Wars a lot. And so that's so they're religious and that's their religion. It works in an adjective sense, but not a noun sense. Like, yeah, you could say they're religious, but to have an actual bona fide religion, you have to believe in God. Whatever God means to you, you have to do that. And then you're on the level of bona fide religion. And you can still be bad at that. But yeah, to say that someone who just acts very religious is not an atheist, I don't think that's true. Because yes, we can all act religious in many different ways. But that doesn't mean we actually believe in God and are doing things for God, which is what religion really means. So this is a little bit of a subversive example here. But, you know, once again, he's still he's fighting the good fight on the good side. So I'll I'll take this kind of, you know, sneaky example over any of those Sam Harris guys any day of the week. <laughs> All right. Final one. It's a crime to not live up to your potential. <laughs> like, I got to say, it's a really nice try. Like, this can be really good at motivating you if you say, oh, if I'm not living up to my potential every day, then I'm, it's like, it's, it's, it's I done so, I've done something unethical to myself. But that's, okay, first of all, it is in fact not universally true because in the East, there's no such thing as your potential. There's not even that doesn't really even exist. There's just dharma. You just you do your duty. You don't talk back to your father. You just do what he says. And as you get older, you get more and more freedom and you can start to see different things, but there's no like your potential. They don't think that much in the future. It's just doing the best we can with what we have now. And as long as you always do that, you're always okay. <laughs> and there's no potential. There's no, oh, lack of my potential, so now I feel bad, or fulfillment of my potential, so now I feel good. That is nonsense, which is more common in the West, but it's simply nonsense. Because aside from real enlightenment, you don't ever actually fulfill your potential. And you, and you talk to any great artist who's worked their, their whole life at the same art, like my grandfather, for, for instance, on his deathbed, my, my grandpa Vincent said, oh, shit, I should have painted more. <laughs> like, that was all he had to say from, from six years old up to 80-something years old, painting nearly every day his whole life. What did he say? Ah, didn't quite do it enough. I think I should do it a bit more. <laughs> so this is just nonsense. Like it sounds good, but this is one of these things. Sorry, the East got you beat. The West has got a tap. It's that simple, yo. Like I'm a, 
I'm a Western man ethnically, but in terms of my spirit, I have to align with the winners because I'm a winner. And the East wins in this area. Sorry. The rest of you guys just got to tap. There's no other way. Here are some things that are simply false or suspect at least. First, you're at work, you're being asked to do things that make you feel weak or ashamed, and so you need to stop stop that. This is not entirely false. So sometimes feeling weak at work is actually appropriate. Um, from weakness, you can feel humility, and from humility is goodness. And, from, and you can improve from that also. Like if your boss uh, challenges you too much and you, you can't take it on, but you know it's your duty to, to just try, and yes, you feel weak, you feel small and humble, but if you do, if you just try, if you just do your best, it will, people will notice and it will work out better for everyone. So, but still, you shouldn't be challenged too much all the time. But sometimes it's, it's appropriate. Now, should you, if, you're, if, you're, if your boss asks you to do something that you feel ashamed about, I agree with JBP. You, should, you should, just shouldn't do it especially in the West, like you just shouldn't do it. If you're in Japan, like I said, there's cultural differences here. So like in Japan, if you're at a really good, uh, respectable organization, it could be a company or government, whatever, and your boss tells you to do something that makes you feel a little weak and a little ashamed, yeah, you got to do it. <laughs> Otherwise, you're not Japanese. <laughs> but... um So what happened with me growing up is is I never I was <clears throat> I was never asked to do something that made me feel weak because I'm not a weak person so I just don't consent to feeling weak period okay but most things they asked me to do were too easy and I felt shame because it was because they're asking me to do something which is you know childish it's patronizing condescending etc. And yeah, I often spoke back to my bosses. To my, I said, no, I'm not doing that. Or at least you got to tell me why I got to do that. And because of that, I had a rough life because most uh, organizations in America are tyrannical. And if people listen to JBP here and, and said, no, I, when you make me feel ashamed, you, you're putting me down. You're making me a lower person than I am, and it's not worth it for me. Yes, it's good if you have leverage, if you have another job you can go to, but even if you don't and you're going to have trouble putting food on the table, that's a good deal. Trust me. From Once again, from experience, like, oy, it's not worth it. It's way better to get fired doing something you love and you know is right than getting promoted and selling your soul. It's it's not even close. It's not even like a close debate. It's not even close. But most people haven't really thought it through vividly and with all of the ethical and spiritual considerations there. 
most people just aren't at that level. They're at the you know economic level, the social level, the cultural level. Sure, those things are nice too, but but those levels are subservient to the higher levels of ethos ananda. <laughs> Not me, but you know what the name stands for. Next, you need to say what you think because that's what you come from. So this line of thinking does seem sound, but it's only Western and Logos-based. In the East, <clears throat> the path of Dharma says, you need to just do what's your duty. There's no saying this, thinking that, not saying, not thinking. It's, it's, it's all irrelevant. You just do your duty and you forget everything else. There's no commentary about what you're doing. You just do it. I would call this karma yoga. You could call it judo. You could call it Taoism. You could call it dharma. <laughs> like, there's many different Eastern iterations of, of this, but it's just one thing. It's all the same thing, just being expressed differently. And once again, you know, I live here. I've been living here for years. You can come here, see for yourself. Like, there, I've met some kindergarten students who are more mature than the average American adult because they just are born into this culture where you just fucking do what you're told. And yeah, there is like a bit of a stupid obediencenness to it, but there's also maturity to it. When you're, when you're actually able to just do what you need to do, you don't have to worry about Oh, I have to be assertive because uh, uh, I'm worthy of this and that. Like, it just doesn't, it just doesn't matter. You don't matter that much. I don't matter that much. It's just inappropriate to, to think that way for more than half of our species. So I got to say, this is just wrong. It's, it's true. Unfortunately, it is true for a lot of people in the West, but... This is not some, like I'm a man of the world, so I can't get behind this, you know. Next, the religious domain is yin and yang, chaos and order. Okay, once again, that's true in some cases, but that's not all. JBP has made the case that all religion is left brain versus right brain, chaos versus order. That's nonsense. And oddly enough, this is, a mo this is an Eastern thing. Is it, true, is it true in Christianity? No. <laughs> so what is he talking about here? Like, is, is a big chunk of the religious domain, this chaos and order, yin and yang stuff? Sure. But, you know, the, the claim JBP makes is that this is what all of religion is, is, is finding the flow state between chaos and order. No, that's Taoism. <laughs> that's... The middle way, which is one aspect of Buddhism, just an aspect of Buddhism is what he's talking about. Or karma yoga, which is one kind of yoga of many billions of other kinds of yoga, okay? And there's, I don't even know anything Christian or Jewish or Muslim about this chaos and order stuff he's talking about. It's, you know, people have called what JBP is doing here a natural theology. He's kind of like, building up a theology from scratch using the 
whatever psychological neuroscientific literature there is out there, which I commend him for, but it's, it's not real. Like, that's not how you do it. Like, it's, it's a great idea to have a natural theology, but you have to make a theology from theology. If you make a theology from science, you have just science parading as theology. It's a nice try, but, you know, look, guys, we've, we, we already have all of this stuff. The ancients figured out everything. We just need to read, understand, and apply. That's all. That's literally all we have to do, and that's all I'm trying to get you to do by making my own website, writing this, writing books, and whatever else I'm doing. That's the only thing I'm trying to do, okay? When you fully get that we humans have already figured out everything, now that doesn't mean that we should stop trying to learn more new things. Yes, of course, but knowing what we need to know to live well, with minimal suffering, and even attaining very high, high states of God consciousness, guys, we learned that thousands of years ago. Western, Eastern, like we, we, people from all over the world already figured this shit out. So if you really want to do it, first of all, you would already know that, I think. But if you, if you don't, I hope <laughs> I'll be the first person to tell you. We already figured it out. You just got to do it. Next, being in flow state is the deepest of all religious instincts. Once again, nope, that's simply false, that's not true. Ananda, spiritual bliss is definitely deeper than just being in a flow state. <laughs> I would say it's the deepest, but it doesn't matter of you know little particulars of this and that. Um, this Tao, that he's talking about is psychological, maybe moral at best or ethical at best. Real spirituality means God, means a personal God, and being blissful in the process of humiliation or being humble before God. That is the deepest of religious instincts. When you're a servant, when you're the tiniest little speck of dust before your Lord and you feel bliss in being so tiny and insignificant, that that's when your your whole body, you know, will go into convulsions and you'll start weeping tears of ecstasy uncontrollably. Yeah, I think what I'm talking about is a little bit deeper than being in a flow state. Nice try, lobster man. <laughs> the the transcend the transcendent is that which transcends our ignorance. No, sorry, JBP, it's way more than that. For example, transcending the religion versus science conflict has nothing to do with ignorance. Here's, what you, here's how you can do it. You, one, you hear people who have a problem with this. Two, you investigate it. Three, you come up with your own stance on it. Four, you integrate that knowledge with your character. And once it's integrated, you've transcended it. This is what I did by accident in high school. Seriously. This religion versus science thing, well, first of all, it was never a conflict for me because <laughs> I'm living in reality. So if I want to do religion, I just do religion. And if I want to do science, I just do science. 
But if I were to, you know, well, that's how I see it now. That's kind of a Chinese ethos stance on it. But anyway, I wrote an essay on religion versus science in high school because I just didn't know what else to write about. And I heard people talking about it. And this is what I did. I said, oh, I hear you guys are having uh, trouble with this. I just investigated it. I go, oh, well, here's a way you can transcend this, this little duality here. Which is not ignorance. It's like, yeah, okay. He would say, JBP would say, oh, I transcended it because that that thing that I was ignorant about, I no longer became ignorant about, and that's why I was able to transcend it. No, I didn't do any research into this. I just thought about what I already knew, and that's how I transcended it. And this is a very mundane example. Transcendence is way higher than just ignorance versus, versus knowledge. <clears throat> Real transcendence will happen not in your mind, but in your heart. And the deepest transcendence will happen in your soul, which is in your heart. It's deeper than that. And ignorance is definitely a part of it, but the way he oversimplified it here is it, it's wrong because it's oversimplified. Next, faith is deciding how you look at the world. Once again, no, it's way oversimplified. Faith is way more than that. Uh, he then said, in the absence of evidence, I believe this will come about. So if you don't have, if you don't have evidence of something, but you still believe it'll happen, that's faith? No. That's not faith. That's just having a belief about something. <laughs> it's hard to get into this because there's so many different ways. Once again, like, I can only talk about stuff that's, you know, that I have personal experience in or at least some desire to talk about. Like, faith? I'm... I'm, I don't want to say I'm beyond it, but it's, it's not relevant to me anymore. Like, if I want God, I just do God. I know his holy names. I just start doing his holy names, and then there he is. So it's not, it's not faith. It's just, it's just my desire. If I desire to have spiritual things, then I do spiritual activities. If I desire to... Get high, I just get high. <laughs> I don't actually do that. But once again, this is just the Chinese ethos that I've adopted, which when you fully commit to, it's so effective. It's, it really works. Because I'm all, I mean, I guess in order for it to work, you also have to be honest. You know, if I was lying to myself all the time, then maybe it wouldn't work. And whatever other virtues I have, but... I just, <laughs> anyway. All right, here's some general comments. So with JBP, it's just way harder for me to follow him now. He's just boring. Like, I'm I'm not obsessed about him anymore. That's just how my feelings have changed. But, but even just following him, 
the way I followed Dr. Jones, for instance, where he, he publishes a new interview and I say, yeah, I'll go read it. I'll, you know, I'll check it out. Like with, with Peterson, I'll only watch one of his videos if it's about, like I said, Carl Jung mythology or, or a very specific content matter that, that I want to learn about or, or hear about. If it's anything political, I don't care what he says. <laughs> he just doesn't have the lucidity that that is really needed for me like but for but still for the for the public at large like they're they're still trying to catch up to what he's what he's already said for me i'm i'm beyond it but for like my my parents my sister my a lot of my friends like they're still in they still haven't caught up to jbp so i hope they do you know I'm not I don't mean this this show to be a hit piece or or a love piece or anything. It's just this is where I'm at, but the dude's got really good stuff to say. Um basically it comes down to logos and ethos. There's as I've said so far in the show, JBP has some good logos. He has some really truthful, meaningful things to say. Should we follow his character? Should we treat him as as this this messiah hero type guru type guy? No, wait, wait, not. Definitely not. The dude got addicted to benzos. <laughs> like, are you kidding me? At least get addicted to cocaine. You know, he was getting millions of dollars and then and then he got depression and then he got addicted to benzos? Oh, that's literally disgusting. Like, seriously, at least be addicted to cocaine. I would have way more respect for him if he, if not only he got addicted to cocaine, but if he was totally open and truthful about it and said, look, guys, I've always loved coke and I got all these millions of dollars. My fans fucking love me and I've just been doing a lot of coke and I'm really sorry. Dude, I would fucking worship that guy. <laughs> but that's because that's who I am. <laughs> and that's not who he is. Donald Trump would do something like that. <laughs> so as much as you hate it, it seems like Trump actually might even have a better ethos than JBP, but definitely not a better logos. Like as far as, yeah, so that's a good analogy, actually. Like with Trump, you can't trust what he says. Like the 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 words that come out of his mouth, you just can't trust anything there. But his character... Ooh, there's something there, man. He's got magnanimity in spades. He's got nonverbal honesty in spades. Um, he could be way more generous. Um, he's hilarious. He's got wittiness. He's got that virtue more than even professional comedians. And uh, it's, it's sad that most people still don't understand Trump. <laughs> anyway. So, oh, one note on his book, 12 Rules for Life. I read that book. It's really dry. Um, as far as what a bona fide Bible should give us, like, for example, my book, The Ethos, these 12 rules don't actually do it. It's, it's, it's like higher than advice, but lower than law. And the law is still lower than a Bible which is another problem with the secular world is that we think that 
the law from the government supersedes the religious law, and that's just not true. It's actually the moral law supersedes government law, and the spiritual law supersedes the moral law. That's the actual hierarchy in reality. And so the book, the ethos book that I wrote, that's moral law. And it's not even law, it's just, it's a system. But because it's a system and you can apply it and manipulate it and extract from it and do so many different things with it, it's way, well, I mean, it's already lasted 2,500 years. How long will 12 rules for life last? A couple hundred, maybe. It's just, it doesn't have a sacred aspect to it. There's no reciprocal openness, as Verveke would say. It doesn't get deeper and deeper the more you look into it. It's static. The 12 rules are static and Western-oriented, you know? It's just, it's lower than ethics, lower than spirituality. It's maybe like... If, you know, if we if we really just committed to those 12 rules and ignored a lot of the government rules, that might actually be better. I, yeah, I would say the 12 rules for life are higher than a lot of the political, cultural stuff we have in these really broken, degraded countries like UK, Canada, America, New Zealand. But it's still not in comparison to ethos or Bhagavad Gita, or the New Testament, it's not even close. And yes, the, something like the New Testament is way more difficult to, to learn and, and study and practice than the 12 rules, but it's like he said, the, the darkest tunnel leads to the brightest light. So it's good that these ancient Bibles are difficult, because when you understand them and actually use them, as I have, the benefit is is unbelievable. It's fearlessness, it's invincibility, it's joy, like solid happiness every single day with like very, the, the suffering I have in my life is not, is really not noticeable. And it's so insignificant. And, and even if it gets more or worse, just, it just won't affect me that much. So that's, you know, if you're going to wake up, you might want to really wake up. <laughs> okay, one more thing. So he used to be a hero of mine, JBP. Now I still think he's smart. He's like a really excellent intellectual, but I just don't look up to him anymore. And this is a fundamental difference between other men that I would call master, like Aristotle or Srila Prabhupada. I also have a judo master a brewmaster, you know, like my brewmaster in Vermont, like she's just a lady, you know, outside of brewing beer or winemaking, you know, she's just a lady. But when it comes to that specific craft, she's my master. I do what she says. And so, and I guess JBP is my master in Jungian psychology, in depth psychology. I would, I would actually consider him my master. But, you know, the problem with depth psychology is it's so close to religion, but not actually religion, that you can get sucked down into, into this hole where you think you're doing really meaningful stuff, but you're not. And I think that's exactly what's happened to JBP. 
which did not happen to Carl Jung. Carl Jung was, was a man of God, and psychology was just his work that he was doing, just like Isaac Newton and all the other great scientists and great thinkers, Aristotle. Like, they, were, they, they knew what re real religion was. They knew where they were in the hierarchy of things, and they did the best they could. Okay, that's it for now. I hope someone got some benefit from this somewhere. Don't stop seeking. Peace.